You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, for many years, people seeking jobs have been at a disadvantage when it comes to negotiating pay. But now more places, including New York, could require employers to divulge pay rates. Because right now I think we have put such a faux pas on talking about wage, on talking about salary. And in Monroe County, black mothers and their babies are at a higher risk of complications and mortality. The nurses on the other side of me crying, like, I thought I lost you, I thought I lost you. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at ROCVOX.com. The professional landscape has changed so much in the last few years. There's a tight labor market, and employers are having trouble filling positions. A lot of people are leaving their offices for new jobs, and more people want to work remotely. And in the background of all of this is an ongoing conversation about pay equity. We know women typically make less than their male counterparts, and that women of color have an even steeper pay gap. My colleague Beth Adams looked into this. She found people who are trying to change that through legislation that would compel employers to be more transparent about money. She has this story. Celia McIntosh has been a nurse and a nurse practitioner for almost 20 years. In that time, she's applied for a number of jobs. She usually had no idea what the starting pay range was, which she found frustrating. Because you don't know that, you go through multiple interviews only to find out that you get the offer later and it's, you know, you're overqualified. Sometimes when a salary range was published in a job listing, it was way too broad. It may be anywhere from like 55000 to 120000 Like, how do you even know what's realistic? Because they don't know. What number do I put in there? Do I put in the high number? Do I put the low number in? That's Hannah Morgan, a job search strategist. And she hears this from job seekers all the time. She says employers who are secretive about what they're willing to pay are that way for a reason. It was really to serve themselves. It wasn't to attract the best candidates. It, it was, you know, how can we get the, the best person in here and pay them the least amount of money? But if those salaries were less of a mystery, it could have a huge effect on employees. Momentum is growing now for the issue of pay transparency. The labor market is changing and advocates are working to close systemic pay gaps. One potential solution could start right here in the hiring process. Senator Jeremy Cooney is sponsoring New York's pay transparency bill. I'd like to think that the free will of people in this state would create a more equitable environment, but sometimes you need a little push. If passed, the law would require pay ranges to be included in any advertised job openings based in New York. Cooney says his office hasn't received any formal opposition to the measure, but one local employer says it wouldn't be as easy to adopt as some might think. Scott Ensign, Vice President of Strategy and Partnerships at Butler Till, says transparency is a good thing, even though the marketing agency generally doesn't mention any pay ranges in its job ads. 
it's not that we don't want to post salary ranges or we think that it's a bad thing. We just don't want to exclude candidates. Part of the reason has to do with how the COVID-19 pandemic has revolutionized the workforce. 20 to 25 percent of Butler Till's employees are scattered around the U.S. working remotely. And pay can vary dramatically by location. If we have a fully remote position and post a salary range, that salary range could look very different for someone in New York City versus someone in Boise, Idaho versus someone in Dallas. The remote work issue isn't the only objection. Some claim this law could flatten pay rates and reward seniority over performance. Beth Cordello is a labor and employment attorney in Rochester. She sees how a well-intentioned policy could tie an employer's hands. When they want to reward an outstanding performer, somebody who's really hitting it out of the park, they want that person's pay to reflect that. But if what they want to do in order to keep that person is outside what they've established as their pay band, they won't be able to do it. Advocates of the bill, like State Senator Samra Brooks, say pay transparency could prompt a cultural shift in the way people talk about money in the workplace. Because right now I think we have put such a faux pas on talking about wage, on talking about salary. And talking about pay could lead to pay equity, which is something she learned firsthand before she became a senator. When Brooke, who is black, was working in environmental education, she discovered a white male colleague with the same job made $10,000 more a year than she did. That's a really, really harsh reality to learn that someone who you saw as your equal, as your partner in this work, somehow had been valued higher than you had. Her experience is not uncommon. Even though the pay gap is narrowing, the U.S. Department of Labor says women still earn just 82 cents for every dollar a man earns. The gap is even wider for women of color. They make between 65 and 70 percent of what their white male counterparts earn, depending on their education level. Brooke says she ultimately advocated for herself and got a raise, but she wants to take the onus off individual workers and put more pressure on employers to practice transparency. But she says government can only do so much to level the playing field. The rest, she says, is up to private employers. At the end of the day, if businesses refuse to look at their practices to try to get closer to pay equity, they will lose out. They will lose out on talented people who will go somewhere where they are valued. Beth Adams is the host of Morning Edition on WXXI. Hi, this is Megan Mack from WXXI. And if you're enjoying Earshot, subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson. Catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson wherever you find your podcasts. Here's a pretty stark statistic. In Monroe County, for expecting black mothers, there is about one maternal death per every 4,000 births. That number comes from Senator Chuck Schumer's office. It's higher than the state average, it's higher than the national average, and it's about three to four times the rate of mortality in white moms. My colleague Raquel Stevens spoke to a few local black moms who told her their pregnancy was not what they expected. Lawmakers and advocates are pushing for legislation to help these women and their babies. Raquel has this story. 
Just days after delivering her daughter at Highland Hospital, Tashe Brown Sanders was in so much pain that she had to go back. I told the doctor, like, I'm in pain. And he's like, oh, you just had a baby. I'm like, no, something's wrong. Emergency room doctors found her blood pressure was skyrocketing. Moments later, she flatlined. Because it came to with the doctor, like, smacking me on the face. And I'm like, what is going on here? The nurse was on the other side of me crying. Like, I thought I lost you. I thought I lost you. Sanders was suffering from postpartum preeclampsia, a potentially fatal condition that African-American women are more at risk for getting, according to the National Institutes of Health. But she says her trouble started in her third trimester. She was getting prenatal care at a public health clinic, and she says she had a hard time getting the care she needed. I would be sleeping and I couldn't breathe. Like, I would try to go to sleep, and it was like my ear would be cut off. And I would tell my doctor about it, and she's like, oh, you're fine. Life-threatening delivery complications and maternal illnesses are 51% more frequent among black women than white women. And here in Monroe County, the maternal mortality rate is 45% higher than the national average. Tracy Weber sees this issue firsthand. She's a registered nurse and the only black midwife at University of Rochester Medical Center. Weber says the black maternal experience in America is a result of historical mistreatment. Throughout um, medical and nursing education, people just seem to think that black women are just higher risk by virtue of being black. No, we're at higher risk of these issues by virtue of being or seeking health care in a system that does not serve us. Weber says for centuries, black women endured trauma like forced pregnancies and experimental gynecological procedures. This didn't just affect the women getting treatment, but the healthcare system as a whole. But the issue with that is, you know, it becomes learned behavior. And then there's a framework that gets built upon that throughout history on a subconscious level that healthcare providers believe that maybe Black women don't feel pain the same way that other women do. Weber says one of the ways to ensure Black pregnant women receive the medical and emotional support they need is by training more Black doulas. And these are people who get to know um, pregnant women and their families and advocate for them, show up for them prenatally, show up for them in labor, and then, you know, continue caring for them and loving on them after they have their babies, after they go home from the hospital. It's a service that Shai Davidson is now taking full advantage of. Because I've tried to do it on my own and it just, it didn't work out. Davidson has experienced two miscarriages, an ectopic pregnancy, and the premature birth of her son three years ago. 27 weeks, I went to the hospital. I asked them um, if they could do an exam on me because I was feeling like a lot of pain. They told me it was gas sent me home, told me I was fine, did the cervical exam. But the next day, my son dropped. I felt him drop. Davidson's baby was ultimately delivered 10 weeks early. Despite his premature arrival, her son is doing well. Today, Davidson is pregnant again, and she's hoping for a less challenging experience this time. That's why she hired a black doula. You know, I can count on her. I know that when it's time, she's going to be right in the room. She's going to be speaking for me, and, you know, it's, it makes me feel secure. U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and State Attorney General Letitia James are pushing for more pregnant women to have access to that kind of care. 
We care about it. It's getting a lot of support. I'm fighting hard to get it done. Their plan is called the Black Maternal Health Momnibus Act of 2021, and it includes increasing Medicaid benefits to cover doulas and midwives. It also addresses social and economic factors that contribute to black health. And Weber says work is being done within various community groups to address the issues that the bill highlights. But she says the only way to end this cycle of mistreatment is for moms, doctors, advocates, and legislators to join forces. Everybody's just busy kind of spinning in their own circles and doing wonderful um, work and having important conversations. But at some point, we need to come together. Raquel Stephen is the health reporter for WXXI News. April is National Minority Health Month. This story first aired last year, and the Momnibus bill is still stalled in committee. And that's it for Earshot. As always, drop us a line at earshot at wxxi.org. Tell us what you think of the show and what you want more of. Tell your friends about the podcast, subscribe, and leave us a review. Find even more local news at our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.